Welcome to St Paul Old Ford, part of the Church of England in the Diocese of London. To find out more about St Paul's, join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30am or visit our website at www.stpauloldford.com Let's pray, shall we? Lord, you are good and your love endures forever. Would you continue to speak to us and draw us closer to you? In your name. Amen. Now, I don't want to put any punches here, but growing up, I had the best birthday ever. Every single year, my birthday was the best birthday that anyone in the world could possibly imagine. I had the fortune, and have the fortune, of having been born on Guy Fawkes night, on bonfire night. And that meant, growing up, we had fireworks for my birthday every year. It wasn't just us who had fireworks, though, my family. Everyone had fireworks to celebrate my birthday. It was the best party anyone can imagine every single year from the moment I was born, at least when I stopped being scared of fireworks. We all love a good party, don't we? And this passage from John that we read, that uh, was read to us today by Lil, speaks of this wonderful wedding party that Jesus is invited to. If you want to follow it, it's on page 1064 uh, in the Pew Bibles. Or maybe we can get it up on the screen as well. That would be great. And Jesus, having called his disciples, rocks up to a wedding. Now, weddings in those days were pretty spectacular parties, not just going on for a few hours after the ceremony, but going on for several days. So they arrived, Jesus, and hopefully he gave some word that he was bringing a group of disciples with him so they could lay a few more places at the table or whatever they had to do. And everyone's having a great time. The food is flowing, the drink is flowing, there's great celebration, lots of thanksgiving for the bride and the bridegroom. And then they run out of wine. I mean, that's a sign of how good a party it is, isn't it? They run out of wine. (laughs) What are you going to do? This is quite embarrassing for the bridegroom and the bridegroom's family. What are they going to do? And Jesus has this wonderful exchange with his, with his mother, Mary, where he sort of seems to be saying to her, yeah, I'm not going to do anything just yet, Mary. I think the timing's not quite right. And she basically hassles him into performing this miracle. I love it. It's a wonderful exchange between the two of them. And so Jesus tells the servants to bring together some jugs, some large pots, and to fill them with water. And miraculously, the water is turned into wine. And it's turned into enough wine for exactly one glass per person, isn't it? That's, that's what the reading says, isn't it? Oh, no, it's a little bit more than that. Okay. Um, about, right, let's say about 80 of us here. Let's see what else we've got. Well, let's be, let's be a bit generous, shall we? So the water has turned into enough for a bottle of wine per person. That's pretty good, isn't it? You've drunk all the wine already and you're getting a bottle. That's, that's actually not quite what the reading seems to say, are there? Let's see what else I've got here. Oh, yes, that, that's, that's much better, yeah. The water is turned into enough wine for a watering can full for each person. In fact, it's, if there's about 80 of us here, that there's enough water turned into wine for two watering cans full of wine for each person. So, Neil, there you go. 
You've drunk all the rest of the wine, but that, that'll keep you going for a little bit longer. That seems a little bit over the top, doesn't it? Two watering cans full of wine for every single person at the wedding, and they've drunk all the wine already. I mean, why not just turn enough water into wine for a glass? That's pretty reasonable. Or bottle. Two watering cans full of wine for every single person here when you've all drunk the wine already. I don't know. What is going on here? What is happening with this excessive generosity? I mean, that was far more wine than would have been needed. I think Jesus is making one of the most powerful statements he and we can make about God. That we have a God who doesn't just give us the little bit we need. He doesn't just give us a bit more than we think we might need. He gives us new He gives us an abundance of generous gifts, more than we could possibly imagine. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, there's not actually any wine in there. More than we could possibly imagine, (laughs) need or dream of. There's something here quite incredible, isn't there, about the abundant blessing of God. And it wasn't just a cheapo $3.99. Not you can't get any bottle of wine for $3.99 now, can you? But let's say $3.99 bottle of wine. It was the best wine. It was wine that was so good that the master of ceremonies sent for the bridegroom and exclaimed, this is the best wine. I mean, everyone's already drunk, but this is the best wine you could have possibly had. The best wine, immeasurably more than we could possibly imagine. Sometimes it seems a bit funny, doesn't it? I think um, we were talking about prayer and the Bible in uh, confirmation class today. And uh, Dan was leading it, and I was sort of listening in. And um, we talked about, they talked about how often when we pray, we give God a list of what we need. God, you know, I need this, and this needs to be dealt with, and it'd be be- this would be nice if that was a bit better, and I think if that person could feel a little better, a bit better, that would be great. But actually, if you read the Gospels, God is not interested particularly in us aiming this high in our prayers, with him. He's not really interested in us asking for a glass of wine. He's not even really interested in us asking for that little bit more than we need. God wants us to know the generous, abundant, overflowing gift that he so freely gives us. He wants us to be searching for that gift, searching to share in that abundant uh, pouring out that became apparent at the wedding of Cana. I love John's Gospel, and one of the reasons I love John's Gospel is because when John was sort of collecting all the stories together about Jesus and drawing on his own experiences and memories, he put his Gospel together in a very different way to the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you read the four together, you'll notice it's in a, in a different order. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that John was not particularly interested in writing a chronological story of the time of Jesus. He was more interested in setting up the story so that every time we read something in the Gospel of John, we can understand that little bit more of the revelation of Jesus in his death and his resurrection. Everything that Jesus does in John is pointing to the end when Jesus is resurrected. And you see that quite obviously, I think, quite clearly, right at the beginning of this passage in verse 1. On the third day, 
a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Can anyone tell me what else happens on the third day? Somewhere in Jesus rose from the dead. We've got Easter just around the corner. We'll be remembering that soon. <clears throat> on the third day. Why might John be so keen to point out to us that this overflowing, abundant miracle and example of God's generosity to us happened on the third day? Could it be that perhaps he wants us to understand that when we get to the end of his gospel and we read about Jesus' resurrection, we're not just reading a nice story about some guy who was a little bit unwell and got a bit better. We're not just reading a story about a good friend of ours who, by the grace of God, came back to life. We are reading about something that echoes the wedding at Cana, that echoes that abundant, overflowing, more than we could possibly imagine, gift of God. Is he perhaps saying to us, I want you to understand that Jesus' resurrection changes absolutely everything, that nothing is the same after that, that this is not just a nice story. The whole of creation is transformed on that third day when Jesus rises from the dead. What's our response to this? I do wonder how the servants responded. Now, in, in John's account of the wedding at Cana, he makes it quite clear that even though the bridegroom didn't know where the wine had come from, the servants knew everything. They knew they'd filled those jars up with water. They knew that when that, when that water came out, it was no longer water, it was wine. They knew it was two watering cans full for everyone there, and it was the best wine imaginable. How did they respond to it? I wonder if they went home and they were asked by their husbands or wives, how was your day? Hands up who thinks they responded by going, yeah, it was all right. Um, Yeah, nothing really happened, to be honest. Yeah, it's fine. What's for dinner? Anyone think they responded like that? No. Hands up who thinks they responded going, you'll never believe what happened. It was the most amazing thing. Seriously, we ran out of wine. It was going to be so embarrassing. And then there was this guy, Jesus. Anyway, we filled up these big things full of water and wine. Wine came out of them. There was so much wine left, the guests couldn't drink it all. We had a few glasses. I've got a little bottle here for you. Hands up who thinks they responded like that. With a slur, slightly, maybe slightly slurred. Hands up who think. Hands up who thinks in 20, 30 years later, when they were recounting some exciting moments in their life to their great-grandchildren or grandchildren. Who thinks that story probably still came up? I think it was something that would have stuck with them for the rest of their lives. I think it would have been something they would have gone home and shouted and told everyone who could have possibly listened to them. This amazing, abundant, freely given, overflowing gift of God. So what's our response? I wonder which of those two scenarios do we often respond like when it comes to the good news of Jesus? Are we more like, yeah, day was fine. Yeah, it was all right. Nothing really special happened. Oh, if you're interested, there's a little story later on. But no, 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 it's fine. I'll I'll tell you later on. Or are we, the most amazing thing has happened. How are we often in our words 
in our conversations and, of course, in our actions and the way we love people. How much do we all need to understand that bit more, that the resurrection of Jesus is the most amazing story, the most incredible example of God's generosity and overflowing and abundant love. There's that great um, bit in the Isaiah reading that Diana read to us, where it says that um, God will not keep silence, will not remain quiet until righteousness shines out like the dawn, salvation like a blazing torch, till righteousness shines out like the dawn, salvation like a blazing torch. Each of us have a free invite to God's party, and this is a party of grace and of overflowing abundance of life, of generosity, of hope. This is not a party where, when we're feeling a bit low, we have to go and sit outside. This is a party that even in those moments of darkness and despair, loneliness and sadness, we can still have that sure and certain hope that Jesus came to give us life and life in all its abundance. So how are we responding? How are we responding in our hearts, with our friends and our families, in schools, in workplaces, in our community? How are we responding? And if we want to know more of God's love, the great news is we just ask. If we feel like more often than not we do respond, yeah, the day was all right, yeah, nothing special happened, rather than everything was amazing, well, let's start by asking God, Lord, let me know more of your generous love. Let me know more of your abundance. Lord, I want not just a glass, but your love and your grace. I don't just love and your grace. I want no, 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 sorry. <laughs> Two watering cans pouring out over myself and my friends and my family and everyone I meet of your grace, of your love, of your abundant, freely given life. Let's ask God for more of his abundance. Let's ask God for more of his blessings and his love for ourselves, our families, our friends, our community. And let's, through our words and our actions, tell the truth that the resurrection of Jesus is not something that just happens and was a nice story, but is something that changes everything, that changes our lives and has changed our lives, that changes communities, countries, societies, and changes the entirety of creation. Amen. If you've enjoyed this podcast from St Paul's Old Ford, you can find more at our website www.djweatherick.podbean.com Thank you for listening.